America. We know where we came from, but we have the opportunity right now to, to be today's America. Amen. Oh, I could go, I could, I could get on a good roll right there, but I won't. Okay. We got a sermon to do, but praise God for, for who he is and what he is and what he's done in this country and, and what he's going to do in Jesus name. You know, this place, we send out more missionaries. We send out more finance. We do so much for the kingdom and for the world. And we are going to continue to do that. We're going to, going to continue to keep uh, ourselves pure and clean. Amen. Okay. Enough of that. Enough of that. Uh, good things, though. Boy, awesome, awesome week for us. Um, uh, I just am happy to, to get rolling with the next week. Anybody ready for the next week? <laughs> this is the first day of the next week, so we're going to start very fresh. Last week, we talked about mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be given mercy and uh, or shall receive mercy and uh, it's been a good week i've had a lot of people share with me you know i've had a lot of opportunity this week to show mercy anybody had opportunity this week to to show mercy amen and did you that's the question amen <laughs> well you know the the good thing about mercy is that his mercies are new every morning hallelujah and i'm always 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 reminding him that I could use a bucket load every day. So anyway, so today we're going to move on with our Red Letter Revival. We're going to continue on with uh, more passages out of, uh, out of the Gospels where Jesus speaks to us. For his words are the things that change us. We can have a lot of words. We can, but when we begin to speak his words and we begin to focus on his words, that's where change actually comes about. Amen? And his change is not just, you know, whatever, just a little shade of change. The change that he brings is monumental. The change that Jesus Christ brings into the world and into our hearts, into our families, into our relationships is meant to actually turn it upside down. Amen. So today I'm going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to open up and I want you to uh, open your Bibles to Matthew 6 and we're going to start today, this morning at verse 25. And I just want to put a little pause on right now and just tell you a little, just give you a little sneak peek into my world and into our world. The Lord has a very good sense of humor. Everybody say sense of humor. Oh boy. And so in this season of time for the wolves, my husband and I, we have found ourselves in, into a um, real estate transaction for a, of our home uh, that has actually kind of gone upside down. And it's, we've been uh, actually moving in and we've, we're living in my daughter's basement right now waiting to try to get this thing all settled. So, um, you know, we're kind of in this, this battle with these, this whole situation. And so last week he had me preach on mercy. When I want to punch somebody in the face, I had to preach to myself about mercy. And then today, this week, you know, Monday I woke up, oh, okay, Lord, you know, what, what's, what's up for, and he, he put me in this one. And um, the heading of this section is do not worry. So all week I've been like, you know, just, okay. So I'm going to be preaching myself happy. And uh, if you want to come along with me here, you may. But I am just telling you that a lot of times, you know, preachers want to get up and they want to tell you how to do it. But you know what? I am in the middle of this myself. And so my heart is just right here and just right with you. So do not feel like I'm trying to tell you what to do. I'm telling myself what to do. Jesus is speaking to me. Everybody say, speak to her. Speak to her. All right. So are you ready for some good stuff? 
because I am challenged with this. Okay, they have the verse up there, so let's go ahead. Uh, verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about your clothes, girls? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, so do not worry, saying, what should we eat, or what should we drink, or what should we wear, for the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Did you hear that? Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In London, December of 1952, they experienced five days of horror, actually. Over five days, a fog settled in on London like they'd never experienced before. It was the thickest, densest fog that we have on record anyway. During those five days in England, London, England, 12,000 human beings perished. They died because of fog. So in this fog, it was so dense, you couldn't see where you were going. You couldn't move. You couldn't do it. It just absolutely paralyzed the city of London. 12,000 people dead. 150,000 people sickened. Countless scores of animals did not survive those five days of fog. Fog is deadly because it obscures reality. Fog is deadly because truth can no longer be seen. You lose sight of your goal. You lose sight of your perspective and you lose focus. Fog. Simple fog. In the midst of fog, you know where you're headed, you know where you're going, you're driving, you know that down the road there's going to be a round, you know, a corner and a bend, and then you're going to be where you want to be. You know what's in front of you. But when fog settles in, you become distracted. What do you become distracted with? You become distracted by bajillions of little particles of water all over. Did you know? that a dense fog that will cover seven city blocks a hundred feet deep is really only one glass of water. One glass of water. If you take one glass of water and you distribute all of those particles of water, they say that um, that uh, that... That particle of water um, is, there's 60,000 million droplets of water in one glass of water. And if you take that and you just disperse it all over the place, now you have a fog that is so dense that you can't move or see anything in front of you. And I would like to say to you people here today that worry 
Fear is just like fog. It's when we take a million particle thoughts that just get smathered all over us. Now we can't see a thing. We can't see where we're going. Worry is distraction. How many of you worry in this house? <laughs> Come on, let's try it one more time. How many of you have ever, let's do it this way. Have you ever worried in your past at any time, given time? Not today, not now, but we know what worry is. We know what it is, and it, it's, it's crazy. So what is worry? We felt it. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's break it down a little bit. Worry is when you give way to anxiety or unease. You allow your mind to dwell on difficulty and trouble. If you take worry and you look at, that, at the definition, you can also call it concern. You can call it fear, anxiety, uncertainty, distress, worry. But if you're going to take the antonym for that, those are all synonyms, look at the opposite of worry, calm, certainty, confidence, joy, peace, and trust. So when I look at these two, you know, antonym and synonym, this, this uh, definition of worry and the opposite of worry, actually what I feel like I'm doing is I am describing the difference between a non-believer, a pagan, as the Bible says here, and one that has Jesus in their hearts, a, a Christian. So when I, let me just run through these again. Let's, let's take the one side, calm, certain, confident, joy, peace, and trust. So those of us who are in, in the room here today that have accepted Christ into their lives and have chosen to walk according to his precepts and are called a Christian, Christ in me, Christian, those words describe us, don't you think? But when you describe what is out in the world and out where there's no answers and out where there's no help and there's no healing and there's no source of greater things besides ourselves, when you start, start describing that, you're going to get concern. You're going to get fear. You're going to get anxiety, anxiousness. You're going to have all sorts of uncertainty. You're going to have distress. Now you're describing Folks, people, pagans, people who do not know God are outside of Christ and Christianity. The world, that's what I'm describing there. And I want you to see there's two polar differences here. And worry, in some respects, is the dividing line. What? Interesting, right? So worry fills the mind with thoughts. It fills the mind. It fills your thought process and, and where you're at in your brain with all these little kind of like, like fog, little chunks of thought all over that, that obscure truth. Worry obscures truth. In the King James, the word for worry is translated, take no thought. Did anybody's Bible, when we were reading, you had King James, did you see the take no thought? The King James says, take no thought. That is how the, uh, James, Mr. King James, uh, translated that word. Take no thought for what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat. Take no thought about it. But how many of us take a lot of thoughts about that? <laughs> What should I wear? Is this right? I don't know. What is it? What are you wearing? I need to wear what you're wearing. And I need, you know, 
take, I know it's kind of crazy, but take no thought. Now, there's a difference between foresight and foreboding. So we do need to think ahead a little bit. You know, if I don't think ahead, I don't have to. But if I'm preoccupied with concern about not enough and what about and what if, and, and now all of a sudden, I'm taking a lot of thoughts. My brain can get filled up with a lot of thoughts. And those thoughts are not going to lead me to the Lord. They're going to lead me to confusion. Take no thought for these things. Take no thought for what you'll eat or drink or about your body. What you wear is not life more important than food. Now he's saying what life is more important than these things. So the things that we are supposed to take thought of are for life-giving things. But worry, no, do not worry. We are made, and I say, I've said this numerous times, and I'm just going to bring it back to your memory, the, the wonderful memory that you have. We are made in the likeness and image of God. And I'm going to say it again. This is, this is how we are. We are in the likeness and image of God in many ways. But God has placed boundaries on humanity. We are not God. We're like him, but we are not God. And there are some areas that he has said no to. You, you, this is the part of me that you can't have, that you don't have. So what are the parts about us that make us like God, but not God? What are the boundary areas where he's darkened out and he said, no, you're not going to be that. Only I can be that. What are those areas? Those areas are to know the future. I've said this before. We cannot know the future. That's a line. He knows the future, but that's a whole, whole band of information that he has withheld from us as humanity. We do not know the future. Right? One thing, another area that he has banned from us is humanity so that we are not God, but we are kind of like him, but we're not, is the fact that we do not have complete control over everything. Has... I might think I do, and I might wish I did, and I might pretend like I do, but in the end of the day, I do not have complete control over everything. That messes with me more than you can imagine. God has complete control over everything. But this is an area that I'm like God, kind of. I understand what control is, and I kind of get it. But I don't have it. So this is a whole arena that humanity is constantly, uh, we do not have control over everything. Number three, another kind of area that's kind of blacked out for us, and I find this very, very interesting with, with the way that the whole world is kind of set up, is that, you know, we have basic needs for food, shelter, and clothing, and all that kind of thing. But in reality, we only have that for a very small little portion. We have it only for now. Our clothes wear out, and eventually our clothes will fall apart. And then we're going to need some more, right? And food is grown in seasons, and we've kind of developed ways to make food last a little bit, but in reality, food disappears. It's not an abundant, never-ending source that I don't, I have to think of, I have to go to the grocery store. I cannot tell you how many times a week. Because food runs out. So I have to constant, and it's something I have to have. 
So I have to constantly be kind of getting food. But since I don't have control of everything, what if it doesn't rain for a, a while? And what if crops start to fail? And now food isn't going to be around, right? So this is a whole other area that I can't control or, or have it. But God is the source of everything. Are you with me still? So we have this, this situation. And why, does it, why did God set it up this way? Why did he limit us? Why do we have such, such um, ability yet a whole section of stuff that I'm unable to do? Why did he set it up to where I can do a whole bunch of things, but there's some things I can't? Why did he do this? Why? Because he wants us to focus, to focus us to trust in God and to need him. Our limitations cause us to need him. I'm weak. I'm limited. I'm finite. I am in great need of something stronger, unlimited, and infinite. But in this tension between my ability and my inability, between can do and can't do, whenever we hit this boundary of what's going to happen tomorrow or what am I going to, how am I going to pay for my, how am I, a need for resource. And whenever we hit that boundary, we come up against this thing. We have been given what's called a creative brain and imagination. And we come up to that spot in our life, and all of us have been there, where all of a sudden we know we're at the end of us. And we know it's almost like you're on a, prep, a precipice of what's going to happen. And, and we're standing there, and we're at our limitation. But God's given us this brain with creative, imaginative power. And we begin to imagine. And there's two things we can imagine at this point. We can imagine what is the next step? Where are we going to go with just me? Where I'm at? Well, I can run really fast, and I can, I can maybe sew some fig leaves together, and I can do this, and, and, and I, maybe I, I need to, you know. So you, you imagine your next steps, your next everything with, with you, what you are capable of. Or, and God's calling us to do this, he wants to, us to step over here and imagine at that moment what our next step would be with God. With unlimited, loving, resource, infinite, amazing, stronger than us. So when we begin to imagine our next steps and what's going to happen without God, I'm telling you what, it doesn't look pretty. We're all going to die. There's not going to be enough. I better grab onto. I better hoard. I better. But if you're at that spot and you decide, I'm going to imagine my next moments, my next thought, my next week, my next year, my next, the rest of my life, what is it going to look like if I have God with me? The maker of the universe, the provider of all things, the one that actually makes seeds germinate, the ones that bring it forth, the one that has my future ahead of me, the one that has everything I need. 
What happens when you imagine with that? What happens when you imagine there? So the question today, as we stand here between these two possibilities, how do we make this shift? Because I don't know about you guys, but my mind just goes every second of every day. Anybody with me? How many of your minds just go, oh, God, everything, God? I wish. But I'm here to confess to you that I don't all the time. I have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Because if I don't, I'm going to just wander all over the world over here. And I'm just going to come up with all sorts of things. The fog is going to start just coming on in. All the different thoughts all over the place of what if, what if, and maybe not. And I don't know if I can do that. And I'm going to die. And I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And, and now you've lost the reason that God woke you up that morning. How can you do the thing that God woke you up in that morning? How can you walk out into your life and be a light for God when you're so consumed with all these distracting thoughts going all over in you? You don't look like a child of God when you're scared to death and worrying about everything. You don't sound like a child of God when you're worried and concerned and weighed down over every little thing. What would your life sound like if the sun would come out and that fog evaporates and all of a sudden now you see truth for what it is and that is that you're a child of God and God loves you with all of his heart and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You might find yourself in a situation that you didn't anticipate, but he did. And he was there before you got there. And he knew you were coming and he was right there to welcome you in. I want to call you people of God. The bride of Christ. Let me just talk to you. We're just going to take a little veer here. Bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. And now is the wedding season. We've been to some weddings. My son's getting married this next week. And, and uh, it's just going to be so much fun. We went hiking with the two of them. And I looked at Hannah. I said, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, but, you know, and then, you know, she said, I'll cry the drop of a hat. Blah, blah. She's really, really good. And everything's un, uh, organized and all that kind of thing. But have you ever been around a bridezilla? No, I'm serious. Have you ever been around a bridezilla? Who, she is about to get married, the glorious thing of getting married. And she's, you know, her, 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 her groom loves her and everything is good, but she's over going, <laughs> Okay, terrible, I know. I just, I'm trying to show you what Bridezilla is. Just goes on and on and on, and you're just like, come on, baby doll. Let me wipe your face off, stand up, put this dress on, and walk out there and marry the man who loves you and enter into your life. Okay, people. We are the bride of Christ. Are you bridezilla? Have you ever been bridezilla? I have. 
live. Last week I was. I'm never gonna have a house. I'm just never gonna have a house. I just wanna go home. I don't have a house. I gotta go to my daughter's house. It's just nice. It's great, but it's not my house. This is gonna be forever. Forever. Forever I have to live here. Forever. And God's like, um, excuse me, girlfriend. What's a house anyway? You have me. Oh, you're right. And I've got a bed, and I've got a pillow, and I've got a husband, that, and, and I've got, and everything is so right. And I, I got Easton. <laughs> I got Ellie. I got you guys. My house, my, my whole life is upside down. I come here and everything's normal. And I get up here and get to talk to you about worrying. <laughs> so how do you make that shift? How do you make that shift? How do we choose to do this thing with God? He's laughing at me because he knows. He had to hear me. <sighs> Sorry. Bridezilla here to my perfect, wonderful man. I don't know, how do you do it? Okay, so let's open to Matthew 11. Let me give you some answers instead of crying my eyeballs out. Y'all love me, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. We're doing this together. Doing this together. How? How do we make that shift? How do we keep ourselves out of Bridezillaville and we stay in the wonderful, beautiful Bride of Christ place? How do we do this? Matthew 11. And we're going to start at 28. Some red letters here. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I want to break this passage down a little bit, and I want to make it very real, because I'm going to give you three or four, maybe five steps as to how to keep our heads out of Bradzilla and keep us over in the glorious bride of Christ. Amen? Keep us out of worry, fret, anxiety, and keep us in calm, joy, trust. Because, you know, some people can go through a very simple thing, and one person falls apart, and another person just sails through it. Some people can go through something really, really hard, and they can still sail through it. How do they do that? Okay. So come to me. Let's just start with that. Come to me. Jesus says, come to me. So we have a choice of who to run to at our moment of need. And he says, come to me. Come to me. First step, come to me. Well, I got to do this and this and that. No, 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 no. You don't understand. Come to me. Just come to me. Come on. Don't go over that. Come to me. And that seems so simple. But it's so hard for us because we want to run to me. Just the me. Me. What am I going to do? I can't. He says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary. That word weary there is labor. It is toil. 
fatigued. Okay, you're done doing it by yourself. You've, you've, you've really worn yourself down. Now come to me. All who are weary, labor-intensive, fatigued. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Very interesting word, this word burdened. Because what it means, it has twofold meaning. It's very interesting. Overburdened, heavy load. Something that you're carrying that's, that's, remember that limitation? It's too heavy. Have you ever carried something that's heavy, but then something that's too heavy? Big difference. If it's heavy, you can do it, just grit and bear it. But if it's too heavy, you can't even budget. It's too heavy for you. You can't do it. Too heavy. But the second meaning for this is spiritual anxiety. He's also calling people to them, to him in this verse, and he's calling out spiritual anxiety. I can't be enough. I can't do enough. I'm not perfect enough. What if I work harder? What if I do this? I blew it. I just blew it. I just blew it. God's not going to love me. Now I have to go back to ground zero. I have to start all over again. I blew it. Come to me, all who are weary and anxious over your spirituality. It's an actual part of that word, spiritual anxiety. He's calling you, even though maybe, so he kind of steps outside of, I need food, I need water, I need this, I need that. He's saying, honey, you need peace in your spirit too. And my yoke, my yoke, my yoke, let's, uh, let's stay here because I just skipped. Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. So he's not going to give you more to do, more to carry. He's going to give you rest. Take my yoke. So yoke is this being paired up with. Jesus is calling you to take his yoke. He's saying, here, come on. I am going to take this side of the yoke, and you take this side, and we're going to plow together now. Take my yoke upon you, because he wants to help you pull. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. The word easy means gracious and kind. How many of you see God's yoke as gracious and kind? Or how many of you see God's yoke as heavy and judgmental and critical and harsh? That's a lie. And his burden is light. And the word picture with that is wind in your sails. You can either or the boat, row the boat with the oars, all yourself. Or you can put your sail up and let the Lord blow you through life. Amen? So come to me. Come to me. First Peter 5, 7. Are you okay? Are you still with me? First Peter 5, 7. Very simple. You've heard it a hundred times. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So come to him. Now he wants you to cast. So you don't just come with him with all your stuff and hold on to all your stuff with, you, with him. I'm here, God, but I need this and this. He says, okay, okay, good. next step, baby, next step, baby, baby steps. Come to me. Now cast them on me. And that word cast is a very interesting, it's a, it's a sudden motion. It's a harsh motion. It's a toss. It's like God says, come over here, come over here, and now throw them up to me. And you're just 
like that. You just throw them. You toss them. It's, a, it's not a, just a hand. It's a Because if you hand them, you might hold on to them a little bit too long. He wants you to take them and just like that. Okay? Are you, I'm, I should have, I don't know. I needed to stretch before today. <laughs> I might pull a muscle up here. Cast. Come to him. Number one, two, cast. Cast all your cares, your anxieties, your distractions, and, and, and your care, because he cares for you. That word care means you are the center of his attention. He's not distracted. You're distracted. He's not distracted from his promises he's made to you. He's not distracted from what he's wanting to do with you and where he's wanting to take you. He's not distracted from the things that he's spoken over you and written over you in the very moment you were conceived. He's not distracted from any of that. We're the ones going like this. And he says, come over here, cast it all on me because I'm so focused on you. Truth. So number one, come. Number two, cast it. Philippians 4, 6, and 8. My favorite. Rejoice. I'm going to start at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That does not describe Bridezilla. That describes the glorious bride of Christ. Amen? Rejoicing, gentle. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Come to him, cast everything on him, and then start to pray. Thank you, Lord, with thanksgiving. See there with thanks, prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, that you are taking care of me. Thank you, Lord, I have more than enough. Thank you, Lord, that your word is true. Thank you, Lord, that you will never leave me nor forsake me. Thank, thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Your name is faithful. Thank you, Lord, that your name is mercy. When you need mercy, thank you, Lord. Cast all of your cares on him, for he cares for you. Lift up the name of God in your life and begin to pray with thanksgiving. And the peace of God now will just... I just see this, I just see this peace that just transcends. It's almost like a piece of, like, like a fog, only, only now it's godliness and all of his righteousness and everything that's right will just transcend into everything of where you're at. And the peace of God will transcend uh, all understanding and will guard your hearts and minds. So when, when it transcends understanding, that means that you should be mad and upset and angry and fearful because you don't have a place to live. And, and maybe your jars are empty, empty, your oil jars are empty in the kitchen. Maybe things are like that. But you have given it. You've come to God. You've casted it on him. You're praying now. And the, the Lord is beginning to transcend into your situation. And now instead of worry, you live in peace. Because someone greater than you has got this. Someone who knows the future's got you, holds your future. Someone who has all the resources in the world holds your resources, and he's right there for you. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So now... Point number, what is that? Number four, D choose God, 
Come to, come to God, cast it on him, pray. Now he's calling you to clutter your mind with what's right, with what's good, with what's admirable, with what is noble, with what is glorious, what is lovely, what is pure. Those are the things that God is calling you to now clutter your brain with. It's a godly fog now. Everything that you see your future through, you're going to see it through noble, noble things and right things and pure things and what's right and, and good in Jesus' name. And now your brain is so cluttered with the mind and the will of God that now he can follow, you can follow him and he can lead you. But I'm telling you what, you cannot do that if your brain is cluttered with imaginations of things that might happen. And most of them don't, amen? Okay, so now I want everyone to stand, if you would. And I'd love the band to come forward. I'm praying right now that I'm kind of, I mean, we've talked about a lot of things and we've gotten a good laugh and a good chuckle and I've been honest and real. But I want you to see the fact that this is really, really important. Really, really important. And I want you to take a moment to evaluate your brain. Evaluate your brain. Because there are things in your brain. You're, you are a thinking being. You have thoughts. And I want to ask you to evaluate what is, what is flying around in your head all the time. God loves you with a love like you cannot imagine. Would I ever let my children be without now, there's times when I have to ask them to wait a little bit because I'm working on it. But I'll never let them go without. I will never leave them nor forsake them. I will never. And I want you as a child of God, as the bride of Christ, to right now just take a moment and commit yourself to shifting out of a place where your imaginations are running wild of everything that could possibly go wrong, every reason and every imagination. And I want you, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how hard your life has been or how easy your life is right now because worry can assail anybody in anything. And worry is God's way or Satan's way of pulling us over to him so that we no longer will focus on what God has for us and the good that he has for us, and the love that he has for us. Corey Ten Boom says that worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. Worry is faith in the negative, trust in the assertion of disaster, and belief in defeat. But faith is the belief that the good will come, the trust and the assurance of good things and the belief in victory. 
Worry is taking today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. But I will say right now that I'm calling the people of God here at New Horizon who are loving God, loving Him. You are children of God. I would say right now that you would clutter tomorrow up with all of your imaginations and dreams and faith of the Word of God in your life. And if you could clutter your mind with those thoughts, if you could make them so, so big and so loud and so continuous in your life, of what God's called you to do. What does his word say? He will never ever leave me or forsake me. He will never let me die. He will never let me fall. He will never let me stumble. He will pick me up. He will lead me. He will guide me. He will provide for me. If you can clutter your brain every moment of every day with the strength of who God is, he can then look at you and he can draw you. You will become a light in this world. You will not be as the pagans are. He's calling you, girl. He's calling you, man. He's calling you to lead. Lead your family. Lead your kids. Lead at work. Lead, 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 lead with your mind so cluttered with the goodness of God that you have no time to imagine anything. This is something. This is not a sin. This is not listed in the Ten Commandments. It's something that insidiously works in the kingdom of God, that insidiously works in his children. And I'm shining a light on it right now. And if you are feeling that you need to shift, you need to shift, you need to shift, you need to, you're going to shift right now. I want you to just put your hand up. Just, just give me a hand. Show me, show me, show me across this, across this room. In Jesus' name, you're going to declutter your brain right now. I want you to choose to run to God right now in Jesus' name. You're choosing him. You're, you're choosing him that you are humbly saying, I cannot do this by myself. I cannot, I will not, I just can't do this by myself. I am choosing to submit myself to you in Jesus' name. And Father God, right now, I'm running to you. I'm running to you. And I want you right now, I want you to gather every thought, every imagination that is negative that you've been pulled down by, every thought, every word that goes through your brain that says anything about you, that says anything about you that does not line up with the Word of God. And right now, I want you to take it, gather it, gather it in your hands, gather it up, and now I want you to just cast it on Him. Do not hold on to it another second. Do not hold on to it another second. Cast it upon Him. Cast it upon Him. And now I want you to begin to pray with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right now, a prayer of thanksgiving. A prayer of thanksgiving that His Word is yours. His Word is yours. A prayer of thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Oh, even the countenance across this room is changing even now. The worry lines are leaving and there's joy lines coming in Jesus' name because you know, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that He's got the way for you. He's made a way in the wilderness. He's made a way. He's being streams in the desert. He brings food in the famine in Jesus name oh a spirit of Thanksgiving spirit of Thanksgiving spirit of Thanksgiving spirit of Thanksgiving across this room and now begin to declare what's right what's good what's noble what is pure what is beautiful what is true in Jesus name clutter your mind right now just clutter your mind and what will it do to your countenance what does it do to your heart the peace of God right now is beginning to settle. It's settling. It's settling. It's settling. 
the peace of God, the peace of God, the peace of God, because he's got it for you. He's got this. He's got this. Some of you are waiting for miracle. You need a miracle in your life right now. The peace of God is settling because he's got it for you in Jesus' name. I want the prayer partners to come up right here. And if this is you right now, if you're needing a miracle in your life, if you need a shift in your life, if you have something that you're facing right now, God is saying, I'm here for you. Come, come, cast, cast. Uh, somebody in here needs a miracle. You cannot do whatever you're needing to do. You can't do it on your own. You cannot do it on your own. You need infinite to join with finite. You need strength to join with your weakness. You need uh, sustenance and provision to join with your lack right now. Come on up. I want you to come out and get prayer. Get prayer. Get prayer right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Let's sing this song in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And continue to let the Holy Spirit just declutter. Yes. Come on. Come on. In the presence of my enemy. Come on. That's right. That's right. God's doing a work across this room. Hallelujah. 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 The beautiful bride of Christ is going to emerge. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shed your fears. Shed your anxiety.
sing a little 